0: Hey, my name is Pastor Peyton, lead pastor of City Lights Church. I just want to take a moment to personally thank you for tuning into our podcast. Today's message is from our series, The Christian Atheist. We define a Christian atheist as someone who believes in God, but lives as if he doesn't exist. As you hear the word today, we pray that your faith is challenged, that it's strengthened, and that we help equip you to live a greater life in Christ. If you've been blessed to the ministry of our podcast, would you send us an email to amen at citylightsac.org and just share what God is doing in you through this ministry? Also, if you'd like more information about how to get connected with us or to even financially partner with the mission of what we're doing at City Lights, be sure to visit us on the web at citylotsac.org. Again, I praise you hear the word today that your faith is challenged, strengthened, and equipped. It's so good to worship. Yeah, go and celebrate. It's so good to worship. It's so good to worship. We're so glad that we're able to do that here. If you will, remain standing with me just for a moment. I want to share something with you this morning. That we're so encouraged by what God's doing here, and I say that every, every week, and it's not because it's just redundant speech or that it has... It's meaningless to me, but I just believe it. And and listen, when, when we gather, if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, you are a Christian, you're not sure what you think about God, you don't even know how deep into Him you are, if there's things that you believe, things you don't believe, it's okay. This is a place where we have no prerequisite to be a part of what we're doing. There's no prerequisite. You don't have to be able to quote a certain amount of Scripture. And I'll be honest with you, you don't have to give a certain amount here to be in our country club. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to talk a certain way. You don't have to drive a certain type of car. We are developing this mentality that will meet you where you are. And what that means to us is this. It does not matter what your background is. Is It does not matter what your current struggles are. It does not matter what your current doubts are. We will meet you where you are. And that's what we think the gospel is about. We think that's what Jesus would do. Is meet people, where they are. And now on the flip side of that means this. We don't want to just meet you there and leave you there. We want to challenge you to grow farther and, and go deeper. And this is why. Because there's this misconception in our culture that because of behavior, because of certain tradition that one will spend eternity with Jesus. And that's just simply not true. It's not true. Just because you are from the south, just because you attend church, just because you pray to prayer, does not mean that. I want you to listen to what Matthew seven twenty says. Jesus is speaking here. Jesus says, "Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions." Is that true? Verse 21, listen to what Jesus says. He says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. We tithe and we gave offerings and we gave to the harvest offering. We checked in on Facebook and we attended regularly every week and we prayed and we invited people. Verse 23, Jesus says, But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. I want to ask you just to do something inwardly. Answer it inside. How does that make you feel reading what Jesus just said? Are you guys ready to hear a word from God this morning? Can we celebrate that? Thank you, worship team. You may be seated. This morning, we're starting a new series called The Christian Atheist. Now, I'm very passionate and very excited about this new series that we're beginning. I think it's gonna impact a lot of people. I think there are a lot of people here today that are gonna benefit from this. This is something that's really been encouraging to me and quite uh, surprising. We actually, uh, I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing, I think it's probably a good thing, Um, we have more people that listen to our podcast through the month than actually attend our services Now and let me tell you why I think that's happening One is because people attend church less often They just simply do We also have people here that are like nurses that work on sunday We have people like out of state that listen to it. Um, and i'll be honest with you Most of the time it's me. I get on there like 50 times a day to increase our numbers so I can tell you all that (laughs) Click click No, i'm just kidding and, and so I want to tell you this, for those of you who listen to our podcast, we're going to be adding some changes this week to where we really enhance that experience for you because we have so many people listening that we want to just make that a better um, experience for you. And I want to say this, um, one of the reasons we're, we've got some, some things that we're pondering, some things that I'm thinking about, how, how do I get us online quicker, is because you understand that today it's very legitimate to have a conversation with somebody on Facebook and not even know their phone number, That's a legitimate way to communicate. And if that be the case, then church, you can't use yesterday's methods if you want to reach people tomorrow. Amen? I you can't. So we're, we're going to really invest into that and make that experience better for you. But I also want to say this, that an online community can never replace what happens here. It just can't. Uh, for some people, it's, it's the only the way they can worship on a Sunday or through the week because of schedules or things like that. But it can never replace what God is doing um, corporately here, and specifically what I think God is doing here is he's raising up a multi-generational um, church of different people, different backgrounds, and as I begin praying like this fall, where, what direction we were going to go, I really feel like um, this opportunity to do this series came about the Christian atheist, and this comes from a church in, in, uh, called Life Church in, in um, Oklahoma. Anybody have the Bible app on your phone, the you version. They're the church that created that. So this idea kind of came from them. And so if you're wondering, what is a Christian atheist, right? It's almost like an oxymoron. Well, it'll be hard for you to see this on the screen, but what, an, or what a Christian atheist is is basically it's someone who believes in God but lives as if he doesn't exist. A Christian atheist is someone who would say, I believe in God, but your life says that he doesn't exist. And let me tell you why I'm so passionate about this, because I was a Christian atheist for many, many years. My faith was lazy. It was stale, it was complacent, and it was honestly a disgrace to Jesus and what the cross means. When a a pastor or a preacher speaks a message, there's these kind of different tones. You have things that are like birthday, where it's very hurrah message, and yeah, let's go run through the walls. You have messages that are like weddings, where they're very celebratory and just, you know, warm and feeling. Then you also have messages that are like funerals, where they're very serious. Because sometimes God's word dictates that we understand the severity of what's being said. And then I think this message this morning, because it's kind of somewhere in the the middle of that, being like, we're going to celebrate. We're also going to look at the truths of things. And I want to make sure that I give this precursor out here this morning that some of the things that we're gonna talk about in this series, specifically this morning, is this, that, uh, well, I want to make sure that we understand that there are some things that I'm gonna share with you this morning and throughout this series that can make me sound very legalistic, that can make me sound very religious, but one of the things that I've been called to do as the pastor of this church, as the shepherd of this church, is to teach the truth in a loving way and to equip God's people and so I believe God's authority over my life means more to me than your opinion about me. Though I want you to like me. But I want you to love Jesus. And, and we need to hear the truth because, listen, we are, I feel like I'm very open-minded. For those of you who know me, I feel like, you know, I'm not judgmental. I'm whatever. You know, it's cool, man. I can love you and love Jesus. But there's this thing happening in our culture where we become very tolerant of certain behaviors. Those of us who are in Christ. Now, our job job is not to judge or condemn, but there comes this fine line of like, all right, when are we gonna stand up instead of standing down? When are we gonna stand up instead of back down? And, And I think what's happening a lot in our culture, if you're a Christ follower, is we become very tolerant to say, your faith is lazy, but that's okay. Jesus still loves you. Here's the good news. Jesus does love you, but it's not okay that your faith is lazy. It's not okay that you live like a Christian atheist. It's not okay for when times get tough for you to cry and exalt his name. But when you just got paid your income tax, you're out living like hell. You know what I mean? Come on, don't. It's not, listen, I know from experience. Back to what I was saying a minute ago, because I just feel like that was one of those statements. I want to say some things that sound very legalistic or very religious. That's not true. I'm going to teach the truth over this series, and so this is what I need you to know, here very clearly on this. I want you to be able to discern the difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and condemnation from your pastor, okay? I don't condemn you. You may feel convicted, but don't blame me, okay? There's this thing happening in our culture where it has become okay to become an apathetic cross follower. And I just don't think that Scripture teaches that. And I think because of that, we're going to see that many of us listening to this message, this is you. This is you. This does not matter if you are a Christ follower after you've been a cross follower for a week, or you're here this morning, you've been one for 30 years. Anybody can become a Christian Atheist. Anybody can become a Christian atheist. So some of the things that we're going to talk about in the series are we're going to talk about I believe in God, but don't know him. That's what we're talking about this morning. We're going to talk about I believe in God, but don't trust him. We're going to talk about I believe in God, but don't fear him. And then maybe one of my favorites. They're all my favorites, but the last week we're going to talk about I believe in God, but I don't go overboard with it. It's going to be good. So this morning, we're in part one, I believe in God, but don't know him. I'm calling this message, if you take notes, 18-inch Christianity. 18-inch Christianity. It's very important that we understand God's standard for our life. And as we, as we go into the message this morning, 18-inch Christianity, there's three categories that we're going to talk about when it comes to, I believe in God, but I don't know him. Okay? Three categories. And my desire is that as we go through this message, as we go through life, that we will all drift more towards the third part, okay? Okay? We've got a theme verse for this series. And this comes from Titus chapter one, verse 16. Paul is writing there. And this is what he says to the young Titus. He says, such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. Listen to what Paul says. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. This is our theme verse, Titus 1, Paul says, I love it. There are these people, and man, they claim to know God. I mean, they pray at Thanksgiving and like it's the most beautiful prayer ever. And they raise their hands during worship. They've got a cross tattooed on them. But they deny him by the way you live. The first thing that I want us to talk about this morning, particularly, is three categories. And the first one is, you believe in God but don't know him. You believe in God but don't know him if you take notes. According to ChristianPost.com, 75% of Americans say they believe in God. That's three out of four. Do 75% of the people you know live like they know Jesus? Uh Uh-uh, right? Hey, do 75% of the people who proclaim to be Christians that you know live like they know God? Woo! Feeling it this morning. Of the one in four who say they don't believe in God, twenty-three percent of them believe in a universal spirit. You may have been know this universal spirit. You may have heard called a higher power. What I want to focus in on is that seventy-five percent who say they believe in God, but they don't know Him. They believe in God, but don't know Him. Believing in God is not enough. How many of you know that? That believing in him is not enough. Let me tell you why. Because if you say, I believe in God, on that alone, you are no different than the demons. How many of you know you're sitting next to a demon this morning? I'm just kidding. Don't, couples, don't be, able, don't be, no, i have be getting emails tomorrow, my pastor split us up, and need marriage counseling. If you believe in, in God, and that is it. You are no different than the demons. Look what James said in chapter two, verse 19. He said, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. Almost kind of like a sarcastic, good. Ooh. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. So the next time you're like on your pedestal, and you're like, oh, I believe in God. You're no different than the demons. They believe. What makes you so special? Because you have a theory? Because you looked up something in the Greek in a concordance? The Christian atheist believing in God but living as, as if he doesn't exist. And let me tell you why I'm really passionate about this series is because this, for my, this was me. I was a Christian atheist for many years. And I'm going to unpack it a little bit more, but what I mean is this, is I was doing the things. I was going to church. I would say that I prayed a prayer when I was 13, and I got baptized, and I was playing music, and I was in youth, and I was teaching. and I mean, I believed in him, and I was doing religious things, but I was living like he didn't exist. Believing in God is not enough. You must know him. We're going to talk about how do you know him. But see, typical cultural Christianity is, I believe... I'm good. Hey, next time you're having a spiritual conversation with someone, if you have them, ask them why they believe in God. Ask them what their experience is with him. Don't ask them why, because what they'll do is they'll try to get into some theological debate that they may not even understand what they're talking about. Ask them what their experience is with him. And a lot of times what happens in cultural Christianity is they will make a reference based off their experience of church. I went to church. That's good. You should. Come back next week and bring somebody with you, okay? But this, listen, this is going to be kind of weird for somebody, okay? I, I've, been, I've been teaching this principle to our team, and I want to make sure that um, I explain it, that it must be Jesus first, then the church. Now, they are one and the same. They are his we are his bride. It's the capital C church. There are not, i made the comment that there's 30 different churches inside the city limits. That's not really true. There's a, bunch of, there's a bunch of churches in this area, but there's one capital C church. We just gather in different places. Ours is called City Lights Church. There's is called this, There's called that. There's a capital C church that we are a part of if you're in Christ, okay? So if believing's not enough, I must know him. What's the difference between believing and knowing then? Suppose a young girl is asked by her boyfriend to marry him. Does she know in that moment that she's going to get married? No. She believes. See, she doesn't know until she goes through the whole process. And the one officiating the wedding says, I now pronounce you such and such, signs the license. Then she knows, right? She believes because she trusts that it's going to happen, more so because she wants it to happen. Suppose a young boy gets a phone call from his father and his father says, hey, we're going to the baseball game this weekend, get ready. Does the boy know at that moment that he's going to the game? No. No. He believes it. He does not know until his dad picks him up and they arrive at the ballpark and sit in their seat. Are you with me? Let's go another layer, deeper. What is the difference between faith, believing, and knowing? Look at your neighbor and say, do you know? Let's try it again. Look at your neighbor and say, do you know? What's the difference between faith, believing, and knowing? Let me explain it this way. Let's say you say, Pastor, how do I get to the post office from here? The easiest way I would tell you is to get on your phone and use GPS, okay? No, I'm good. I would tell you something like this. Go back out to this parking lot and go down the hill. You're going to take a left. And then you're going to come out to a place called Charles Sears Boulevard. You're going to want to go left there. You're going to go through five red lights. And at that fifth red light, you're going to be, there's a get and go market on your left and there's an Eagle Bend Industrial Park on your right. And when you go through that red light, you're only a couple hundred yards. It's going to be up on your right and you'll see a sign. Faith is when you get in your car, you believe what I've just, you're hoping that what I just said is true, okay? That is faith. You're thinking, okay, Lord, I hope he's telling me the truth. You believe when you get to that fifth red light and you see, oh, okay, there's that get-and-go he was talking about. Okay, there's the industrial park. You believe when you see that blue sign just a couple hundred yards away that says post office. But you know when you pull in and you see the post office. Is that good? Listen, you can have faith and believe without knowing God, but you cannot know God and not have faith and believe, amen? It's good. You can have faith and belief and not know God, but you cannot know God and not have faith and belief. We must understand that believing alone is not enough. It is not enough. The second thing that I want to talk with you about then is there are people that say, I believe in God, but don't know him. And then the second thing is, I believe in God, but don't know him well. I believe in God, but don't know him well. A cultural Christian may talk a lot about God. They may even do religious things. They may even read their Bible. They may give. They may have values and morals that are based off of principles of the Bible. Let me tell you something I kind of dove in this a minute ago, but one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about this series is because I was a Christian atheist. My story in like 90 seconds, maybe three minutes, if I feel it, okay, is at 13, I prayed a prayer to receive Christ into my heart, like I had been taught. I prayed that prayer. I was baptized just a couple weeks later on Easter Sunday. Man, and I got on fire for the Lord. I don't listen. What I don't want to do right here intentionally is like, if you're here this morning, you're not really sure like what you think about God and all that. I don't. I don't want to really make you an outcast, okay? But how many of you, when you when you first came into Christ, you remember that feeling of just being like, I'm gonna take on the dang world, nobody can stop me. It feels so good, right? So good. And a lot of times we think, man, I wish I could get back there. Did you know that you're a Christian atheist if all you wish is where you were, that you could be again? and I started playing music and God gave me the gift to play guitar and, and started you know, attending youth things and man, I, I, I began to realize, I can look back now, I didn't understand at the time that God was giving me the ability to speak in public. Of course, not that I've mastered it or certainly I hadn't then, but I was really terrible then, I just wanted to do it. and I, you know, So I guess what I'm saying is there was all these things that I was doing. I was doing, 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 doing. My form was good, but my substance was weak. And then something happened. And this is where this is gonna sound very legalistic or maybe this tension that you really need to wrestle with is that I begin to turn from my faith. In the church world, we call it walk away. Or I even saw one church sign the other day and I mean, this is old school. I was backslid, you know what I mean? Whatever the crap that means. Listen, I never went sitting on my back. I was going head first and whatever I was doing. And I begin to like party I'm talking sex drugs rock and roll Got out of the army and I was cocky and arrogant and young And people are always like, you know, there's this concept there's perception of, hey, I'm going to party on Friday night. Listen, my party was Monday morning. It was Tuesday at 3:30 in the afternoon. Do you know what I mean? It was whenever. I was a user. I used people, places, and things to get what I wanted. Now, here's the tension that I want you to wrestle with. Was I a cross follower for real? Or had I just experienced an emotional element of my life prior to me walking away like that? Because this is my thought on it. I don't want to suggest that when you were in Christ that you live a perfect life. How many of you know that's not true? It's not true. So, However, it's not an excuse to live like hell either. This is where I'm at with it. And you work it out your own self. What I believe for me, this is my story, is that prior to from the age of like 13 to 18, 19. I've talked about this before, but I feel like almost like if you think about the process of birth, a woman giving birth, I just feel like I was kind of I was conceived then. We've talked about this. Women, when there's a baby in your belly, you know it because you feel it, right? They move. You grow as they grow. And there's evidence there of life, right? But it's so interesting what Jesus told Nicodemus. Remember, he said, you must be born again. And so what I feel like is this. On January 21st, 2009, midnight, I was born again. I was born again that night. It was that night that I began to walk in the Spirit and proclaim the, the promises of God speaking them over my life. And I want to say something here, okay? I've not been perfect. My wife would say I've been pretty close, okay? But I've not been perfect. But what I have done is daily been perfected by the one who is Perfect. And I can say this, I've made mistakes and I will make mistakes, but since that night, okay, my life has never been the same. So when I get up here and scream and preach and spit, it's because I've experienced the joy of the Lord. I know what He's capable of doing in a moment. And sometimes this, sometimes doesn't. I just want to beg people. Hey, stop being this Christian atheist. I mean, stop being this person that you can experience him in a moment and change forever because it happened to me. I am not the exception. I am just an example of what God will do when someone reaches out to him with a genuine heart and says, Hey, this is where I am, God. I need you to take me to a place I can't go on my own. Am I preaching this morning? if we claim to know God but nothing about our life represents his teachings, you are a Christian atheist. You are a Christian atheist. Listen to what 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 say. Man, I'm feeling it this morning. And we can be, listen, you wanna know how you know? If you're a Christian, you're fixing to get the answer. If you think you're a Christ follower this morning, okay, listen, this is, again, I'm not being legalistic, I'm not being religious, I'm just proclaiming the word of the Lord, what it says. And we can be, how many of you are nervous? And we can be sure that we know him, listen, if we obey his commandments. Now, when you see that word obey, you think of like dictators especially people that don't really believe in God, they're like, he's such a dictator. Like God's this mechanical dictator up there making everything go, holy ghost. <laughs> holy ghost. Y'all better wake up. Y'all thought the rapture had happened. What would y'all have done if those lights came back up and I wasn't here and you were? When you think of the word obey, you think of like this negative feeling, but it's more of like a submissive, meaning like, God, I give you authority over my life. I'm going to live how you want me to. I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to strive to follow your teaching. So he says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments, verse four. Listen to this. This is tough to hear right here. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth whose toes just cramped up in your feet right then. If you say you know God, but you don't obey his commands, the Bible says you're a liar and the truth is not in you. That's tough to swallow. What you need to understand here, though, is that John is not talking about someone that lives a perfect life, okay? He's not talking about someone, see, that's where religion comes in where you've got to do, 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 do. Grace is found when sin abounds. Paul would say in Romans, should we continue in sin? Absolutely not, but grace is there. The point that he is making here is that if you're you're not constantly seeking him and his commandments, the truth is not in you. You could say it like this. The Christian atheist has been informed about God, but hasn't been transformed by God. By God. The Christian atheist is just filled with information. The Christ follower has been transformed. You've heard it said like, religion teaches behavior modification. Don't do this. Wear that. Stop talking that way. Stop smoking cigarettes. And what did Jesus say? Come to me. Come to me. It's such good news. The Christian atheist is informed about God, but hasn't been transformed by God. Listen to what, the, the, some of the first scriptures we read at the beginning. This is Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Now, so he says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I wanna, listen, this is not a scare tactic. This is just a reality because what I hope is this is that as we get to this third point in just a moment that you see that that's where we're going, okay? That's where we're going. That's what we wanna gravitate towards. But you need to understand this. There are people in your life, hopefully not you, there are people in your life that one day they will call out to him and Jesus is talking about somebody you know right here. And you need to understand this that it's not because of their behavior. It's because because of a lack of decision, a commitment that they've made in their heart. Does it make sense? It's, not, it's nothing you do, it's what he did on the cross. You just embrace and accept it and follow that teaching. Are you with me? Because listen, if it was based off behavior and what everything we had to do, I would not be the pastor of this church. I just wouldn't. Not everyone who calls out, and listen, when it says not everyone, it's not because he's rejecting them, it's because they rejected him. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen, only those who actually keep his commands. And let me tell you what the two greatest commands are. If you're wondering, okay, what what is the will of the Father? It's to love God and to love people. It's to love God and love people unapologetically without conditions. I know what people mean when they say something like this they say, I love Jesus, but man, I hate the church. I, I, I mean, I think it's a terrible statement, but I think what they're meaning is they've been hurt by the church, they've been burnt by a pastor or somebody gossiped or somebody kicked them out of their Sunday school class because they were sipping coffee or something crazy like that. But you need to understand, I did say a little while ago, that it's Jesus first, then the church, but they are one and the same. I tell our volunteers all the time this. Those who wear a gray shirt and those who wear a blue shirt and those who stand up here on the stage, it is an honor to wear that shirt. And it's not because of me or because of this church, but it's because we are God's bride. It's an honor to serve through the local church. For people to say, I love Jesus... But I don't like his church. Let me tell you how, let me, let me make that practical. If you come to me and say, I love you, pastor, but I don't really like your wife, there's a 99% chance that you and I don't have the relationship you think we do. That's good, right? Because you and I probably don't get along like you think we do if you don't love my bride. Same is true by his church. Don't say you love Jesus and you're good with him and not good with his bride. That's probably not true. Verse 22. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied. We cast out demons. I mean, we did great things in ministry. And we performed many miracles. Verse 23. But I will reply. Here's Jesus speaking, okay? Okay. I never knew you. I never knew you. Get away from me. Does it sound like the God that you know? This is what you must understand, that even in God's holiness, even in Jesus' righteousness, it is about a relationship with him. It's about a relationship with him. It's so important that you understand that. And so finally, the last thing we're gonna talk about here is, we talked about I believe in God but don't know him, I believe in God but don't know him well, and then the last thing is, I know him intimately and serve him wholeheartedly. Those of you who are here, here as in you know him intimately and serve him wholeheartedly. You may not even say that you're there completely, but you'll be able to relate to what I'm fixing to say. When you know God intimately, when you serve him wholeheartedly, you know what it's like to wake up and say, okay, God, use me for your glory today. You know what it's like to walk by faith and not by sight. You know what it's like to have the power of God move on you. You know what it's like to see God's hand working all around you when life is miserable and falling apart. You feel Him guiding your conversations when you have spiritual conversations, and He prompts you to say something you would have never said on your own. When you know him intimately, listen, you will serve him wholeheartedly. You will serve him wholeheartedly when you know him. And this is something that I want you to wrestle with is that if you're, if you're living a life that does not re- represent him and listen this is not this is not a scare attack, it's just, just the truth from my own experience you need to do a reality check. You need to do a reality check of how well you think you actually know him. Listen to what the psalmist said in, in Psalm 63. He said, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search, for there's such intimacy here. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. He's uh, David here, he's wandering in the wilderness of Judea. Is the context He says, My soul thirsts for you, my whole body longs for you in this parched, weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. When you know that Jesus that resides in heaven, that died on the cross, you will know that his love is better than life itself. Can I get an amen from anybody that's experienced that? Amen. Then, verse 4, David says, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. So good. When you know him, you will serve him. Take us back to verse 1. Look at what David called God. Say this with me Oh God, you are my God. Let's try that one more time. Oh God, you are my God. You're not a God, you're not some God. You are my God. Did you know what you call someone determines how well you know them? For example, if someone calls me on the phone, and they say, hello, Mr. Wills, they don't know me at all. They're probably a telemarketer, and I just hung up on them. If someone says, hey, Pastor, they respect me. If someone says, hey, Peyton, we're probably friendly. We'll talk. There's two people in my life. They say things like this. Hey, daddy. One says, "Dada." He's nine months. And see, so they call me that because I'm their father. And I'm not always—I'm not always the best dad, but i am begin—I'm trying to spend more time with them. We went camping this week, and I was able to cuddle with my little buddy in the bed. We we'll spent time together. Went on a date with my little girl last night to the Ice Bears game. So, like apple juice and hot dogs, she was like, You're the best. But she calls me that because we spend time together. What, listen, listen, this is it. This is good. What you call the Father determines how well you know Him. David said, Oh God, my God, my God. Now, some of you call Him Father you've experienced his love. Some of you call him savior because he's forgived and is forgiving your sins. Anybody call him savior in here this morning? Amen. Some of you call him friend because when nobody else was there he never left your side. Does anybody have a friend in God this morning? Some of you call him healer because he's healed you of cancer. Anybody been healed in here this morning? Anybody been healed? Anybody call him healer? Some of you call him comforter, comforter, comforter because when no one when no one was around when things were going downhill spiraling he gave you that joy he gave you that peace that surpassed all understanding some of you call him provider because when you didn't know how the finances were going to work out you didn't know how your marriage was going to make it God provided a way does anybody call him provider in here this morning some of you call him Lord Jesus because he is the Lord of your life Anybody call him Lord this morning? Anybody know him as a father? This morning, Jesus wants to take the center of our lives. See, there's a problem with 18-inch Christianity, and it's this. The Christian atheist knows of God here, and he's missing it. She's missing it. By about eighteen inches, here, you've been informed by God, but by eighteen inches. You're missing transformation. You've allowed him to take up space up here, but you never let him to reside here here's good news this morning that it's not about anything you could ever do it's about everything he's already done and you just have to accept that Tammy you just have to proclaim those promises over your life Chris that I believe in you that you're my provider, you're my healer you're my comforter, you're my friend and yeah God the truth is this is I've not been living in a way that's pleasing to you people may think that I'm a Christian on Sunday but they don't know anything about you by the way, y'all live Monday through Saturday. And you can today start making a decision to follow Him. And see, listen, it's just an 18 inch gap that you need to fill. And Jesus wants to go from here to the center of here. You feel like in Christ, a lot of the times, you know, it's, it's like we got to have all these possessions and we want God, hey, you know, God, listen, just bless my marriage. That's, those things are good. Bless my job. Bless my car. Help me get a promotion. Those are okay things, but listen, you need to stop asking God to bless your possessions and start asking Him to bless your perspective. I'm preaching here at the end. I'm preaching here at the end. Stop asking Him to bless your possessions and ask Him to bless your perspective. And you walk in the victory that you are a Christ follower, that you no longer, you no longer just believe in Him.